Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we turn on some hair metal, sport our best headbands, and wear some pastel colored shirts because we are taking you to the 1980s with Take Me Home Tonight. Yeah, boy! Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. So, I am the Thunderous Wizard, this is Hops and Box Office Flops, and I'm along with... Wolfgang McLeod. Wolfgang McLeod, formerly the Irate Lover, formerly Motaro's Buck Teeth. Currently, but what? Damn it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, take me home tonight. Build <laughs> as the best party ever. What, what do you think? General reactions. This is going to be uh, a bit of a deviation from the last... 50 movies we watched. I don't know how many we've watched up to this point because I thoroughly enjoy this film. I think this is the 13th episode oh. canonically. Oh, there it is again. Because there's a couple of mm. uh, of the uh, I drink and he knows things. That People that say canonically would buy a Harvard hoodie and wear it even though they didn't go to Harvard. Also, uh, back to this movie. It's fantastic. All the the 12 others before this don't worry about them. Watch this one. It's one of the, uh, I think we've talked about this on the pod before, but if we're going to do coming of age movies, I got to this one a little later in life, mainly because it came out later, but it's a really good coming of age movie. And it's not like, uh, you know, super early teens. It's that awkward graduated from college. Don't know what to do with your life stage, which is pretty great. It is the, yeah, I've graduated. What, I don't want to be an adult. What do I do now? Movie. Yep. Along with the, hey, I really used to have a crush on this girl in high school, and here's my last chance to make it work. Yeah, there's a, it has a great balance. And of course, he has the greatest friend, the most hilarious friend character ever. So there are laugh out loud funny moments combined with almost cringe moments where he gets into a lie to try to impress a chick and then just keeps going with it. And it's that, it's that perfect balance of like, like the first few seasons of the office where it's uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable because of the lies, but the comic relief is just enough that it's a, it's a really good balance. So one of the things that I associate with this movie so like intimately basically is because this was me. I it was just as awkward as Topher Grace is in this movie many times in my life. I went to one dance in high school. My date immediately left me, and I sat at the punch table with all the other kids who probably shouldn't have been at the dance. No, correct. Yeah. This, so I get this guy. <laughs> this is the uh, – and again, a lot of uh, what, the, what are considered coming-of-age movies, it's like, you know, the great ones – Recent great ones like Superbad, that's the high school going into college. Again, there aren't too many that deal with got out of college, still around people from high school, but also trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, it's a cool kind of period, and I think almost everybody in their 
30s and 40s can relate to this moment in time. It's pretty yeah. great. And these movies work because it's the underdog and you're rooting for the underdog. Right? Well, it doesn't work if he's, oh, I went to MIT and I've got everything figured out and I have a great job. Right. right? And, and it's not like it's a perfect movie. I mean, this is just thoroughly entertaining. There's some heartwarming parts. I mean, some of the dialogue, it's not perfectly writ- written or acted, although the acting is great. Surprisingly, great cast. Yeah, so released in 2011, Take Me Home Tonight, stars Topher Grace. Uh, I believe he also wrote the story for the film. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dan Fogler, Michael Bean, a.k.a. He- Kyle Reese from The Terminator, a.k.a. Hicks from Aliens. Yes. And, I mean, Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. Chris Pratt, a very early Chris Pratt. This is actually before he became Fat Pratt for Parks and Rec. Right. He's Skinny Pratt, but not yeah. in shape Pratt. Yeah, it's not before he was in fat shape Pratt. Skinny Pratt. And Anna Faris. Uh, Anna Faris. Anna Faris. So, this has to be where they met, right? It's got a great cast. Well, I'm going to save that. Dimitri Martin. Oh, Dimitri okay. Martin's in it. Dimitri uh, Martin playing... Michael Ian Black's in it. Both hilarious comedians, and they both play fantastic... Yeah, a very small role for Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you blink and you'd miss uh, Better Call Saul. I was directed Fogler's by... Fogler's boss, that's right. Yeah, Michael Dowes, uh, who also directed Goon, which I would recommend. It's uh, Sean William Scott as a ice hockey enforcer. That was good. It, was that independent? Like, that was... Yeah, it was yeah. pretty small time. I like that. Uh, he also directed What If. I don't know if... Have you seen What If? It's another one of these... It's a romantic comedy with... Harry Potter and Zoe Kassan were their best friends, and it's like well, they really should be dating. It's a well, they won't they type See, of movie. On my list, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and he also directed Stuber, that movie that's coming out where Dave Bautista is the cop in the Uber. Can't wait, Camille Nanjiani. I honestly can't wait for that. So, we both love this movie, obviously, but it's on the podcast for a reason. Cost nineteen million, only made seven million. Really? And this will surprise you. That's bullshit. Sits at 27% on Rotten Tomatoes with 113 reviews, which I think is criminal. I knew it had bad reviews. I'm actually shocked. I figured it'd be in the 40s or something. Usually I, comedies are I would say between 40 and 60. Low 40s to even 50s. Like I could see people not enjoying it. It's a little loud and obnoxious and brash at times, but it's friggin' hilarious. Yeah, I'm surprised that like almost one out of four people enjoyed this yeah you feel like half the people that would go to see this kind of movie would would like it if you like the 80s it's got a tremendous soundtrack that's the other thing is most like it's not like cheesy 80s music straight out of compton it's great 80s music and the music is used well like it fits the scenes uh the movie just if you i mean if you have any sort of nostalgia for the 80s You'll see stuff and you'll just love it. I mean, they even have a bootleg Bartles and James in this movie. Yes, and cocaine. Yeah, a lot of cocaine. This and there's a there's a story 80s. about that which we'll get to. So IMDb user review that I found to be quite hilarious. Yes, all caps and an exclamation point. A movie that is not about zombies, blood and guts, or pure boredom. So I'm kind of curious what movies he'd been watching. <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, I guess that's for another time. Did you say a movie that's not about pure boredom? Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> don't don't know. Could you imagine if So I guess he watches like Masterpiece Theater, <laughs> Zombieland. He just watches and that, just horror movies. He just watches the fireplace burning yeah. on Netflix. He watches the fishbowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't suggest this film for an Academy Award, but it was a lot of fun. 
In addition, this story has an important message and perhaps an heir to John Belushi and Dan Fogler. Maybe a little over the top. Well. I had to cut out the rest of his review because it was really just about the physical features of the women characters. Okay, that's starting to make sense. That was from Pico's dad, so thank you, Pico's dad. Good Lord. The heir to John Belushi. I... I think that's a little bit of a reach. Just a, just a little bit. Chris Farley was the heir to John Belushi. And Fogler, so I've seen him on this. The only other thing I remember him seeing on was a few episodes of Hannibal, the TV show. Well, you know, he's in Fantastic Beasts. Uh, Never watched those. He's good in it. The well, second movie's bad all around, and mm-hmm. it's not his fault. And then he's, of course, in Balls of Fury. Oh, damn it. Okay, uh, yep. But, you know, he's, around. I, he's a funny guy. But, I mean... You're you're speaking of like one of the great physical comedians of all time, who's also in like three. You know, he was he was one of the widely considered one of the best SNL castmates ever. He's in the Blues Brothers, which is a phenomenal film. He's in Animal House, which he's got this iconic role. Yeah, you don't need to convince me. Calling yeah. him the heir to John Belushi was a little you know, much. Some of our listeners might be younger. They might be like, yeah, dude, Fogler, that guy really brings the heat <laughs> like Belushi. Well, who's Belushi? Is that the guy on According to Jim? No, that's his brother who's much less talented. So it's a little history lesson for you. According to Jim. So here's a good story about Jim Belushi. <laughs> this is Emmett. We, yeah. <laughs> we knew this guy. He was kind of a, kind of a loose cannon. And uh, he lived in Chicago, and Belushi uh, often plays, like, the blues in his spare time. And he big time. I think, I think he plays the blues in whatever the opposite of his spare time yeah. is, in so, his, his working time. So he went to shake this Belushi's hand after this set at some club in Chicago, and Belushi blew him off, and he said, Hey, Belushi, <laughs> according to me, your show sucks. And he was promptly thrown out of the blues club. Could you imagine yelling that with a straight face to at someone? Belushi. Oh, my God. So, at the star of Red Heat. The star of Red Heat. You mean the Santa Claus from... Uh... What's the Schwarzenegger movie? Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Wasn't uh, Big Show one of the Santas, too? Big Show was one of the Santas. Uh, the little Kramer, person from Seinfeld? Kramer's friend, Mickey, Mickey. who's also... Uh, what else is that guy in that I've seen? I was going to say Bordello of Blood, but that's a different bearded guy, Dorf. Well, it's not she, Mickey. The chick from Bordello of Blood's in... She's in this. In Angie this. Everhart makes yeah. an appearance. So. In one of the most hilarious... Scenes ever. Oh, it's the best. It's the it is the peak of the movie when they go to this party in Beverly Hills. I'm gonna give this a try. <laughs> so, actual description from IMDb: Four years after graduation, an awkward high school genius uses his sister's boyfriend's Labor Day party as the perfect opportunity to make his move on his high school crush. What would your one sentence description be? I just want to revisit that. So it says four years after graduation. Does it just mean after college graduation? High school graduation. No, here's the thing, though. He graduated from MIT. Yeah. So that doesn't need to say four years after high school. It needs to say directly after graduating yeah. from college, right? After getting his college degree, he returned to his hometown. But to... why does it say four years after high school graduation? Why is that the timeline? I don't know, because it is a high school-centric story. One of the things I really love about this movie, the it opening... Could, it could just say eight years after middle school. <laughs> the opening credits are the high school yearbook. Yeah. Set to an awesome 80s song. It's it's wonderful. Here's a question. Do you think... I've always wondered this. Do you think they make them bring in old pictures of themselves to do stuff like that? I think you bring in old pictures, and then, of course, they Photoshop. They doctor them up? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, they did a good job. Yeah, the beginning of the, the credit scene is awesome. 
Um, my, I don't really have a tagline for this. It's just great. You do yours and I'll come. So disgraced used car salesman <laughs> goes on an insane cocaine binge, <laughs> snorting enough white powder to kill a small elephant. <laughs> The, that is the primary uh, plot line of the movie. I mean, that's yeah. really what sets the whole thing off. Yeah. That's... The, all the crazy events that happen are because <laughs> they steal his ex-boss's car and find cocaine in the glove compartment. Yeah. Disgraced. And from there, it's just like balls to the wall. Just awesome 80s fun. Yeah. Um, sure. MIT grad and obvious twin of Anna Faris uh, lies to impress his high school crush. And uh, almost drowns in a pool. Yeah, that was a... That's my... They actually do look a bit alike. Like, you know, I've seen movies where it's like, oh, they're twins. It's like, no, they're not. As far as the not perfect stuff, like the the corny part was when they... uh, Of course, they show that they're twins by her saying, we shared our mother's womb, which was enough. That's enough writing to go, okay. But then they do the thing where she like repeats his lines or says his lines for him. He's like, how do you do that? And they keep saying the lines at the same time. That was corny. But the end of this movie where he does roll that big ball. The giant metal ball. Again, a theme. Another movie with a giant metal ball. It was a metaphor. What was the other one? balls. Mortal Kombat. Oh, my God. I don't like these recurring themes. It's... I I don't know. It must just be... I legitimately got, like, anxious. I have anxiety about drowning in a situation I can't get out of. Also, claustrophobia. But when he goes into the swimming pool and he can't get the seatbelt off, I'm like, oh, my God, that's a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Like, you you realize it was a really stupid idea to do what he did. Also, I love that uh, Chris Pratt's character is, like, the not-so-lovable dumb boyfriend who doesn't know anything about physics or anything at all. But like, if he says really. it's choice, it's choice. And uh, he just assumes this giant metal ball is going to go around the curve. I love that... uh, Not just keep thundering down a straight line. I love that that's been a thing since his dad was in high school. Yeah. Because he says no one's ever ridden that thing since I was in high school. Oh, yeah, Michael Bean. You mean to tell me no one's gotten drunk Drunk enough enough to just ride? I mean, it was in the 70s. No one did enough LSD to ride that ball down the hill? Come on. Yeah, I don't buy that. I mean, I bet you'd, you'd get three rides a summer out of that thing. You know, pending anybody dying... In a freak accident. Right. Correct. So Tori Fredericking, she's the woman of, I forget Topher Grace's name in the movie. Have I seen her in it? something else? Uh, yeah, she's in the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I don't. Okay. Nicholas Cage. Look, you got I feel like when I ask you if I know someone from something else, you use that. You know, you've you seen use that. that to insult me. By assuming I've seen The Sorcerer's Apprentice. You know you saw it. We must have watched it together because I got it on Netflix Why is that once. your reference point for her? I love Nicholas I Cage. have seen that movie a few times with you, but uh, that's... She's in I Am Number 4. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but I know she's Is Nicholas Cage in that? No. Uh, the, the little brother from Magic Mike's in it, Alex Pettifer. The <laughs> little brother from Magic Mike? Yeah, this is, this the is girl that... He, all going Janet down Tatum dates. <clears throat> Again... Hey, I don't care. I love Magic Mike. I think that movie's hilarious. The we, second one's even better. We don't need. We don't. So I. So I don't know her from anything. Maybe the Sorcerer's Apprentice. All right. Well, yeah. That's. You might. I've, she's been around. Does man. he make mops like mop for him in the? Sorcerer? Oh yeah. Okay. Of course he movie. does. See, I told you. All right. So Hacksaw not, Ridge. <clears throat> Warm also, bodies. 
Lights oh, out. Oh, warm bodies. The, lights out. The zombie that thinks. Yep. Yeah. And lights out, too. You definitely Who's saw lights out. Who's she in lights out. out? She's the sister. She's like the sister that left because the mom's is lights mentally out ill. The one with the blind guy? No, that's... And uh, they shove a bass That's a... Uh, uh, don't breathe. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Lights out is the one if you turn the light out, the, the that, sister's that imaginary woman. friend. I got you. Up. Yep. Yeah. All right, so a couple of th- observations or questions. Did you have uh, the Fredericking when you were in high school? The girl that you were like, oh, I, this is a girl in my dreams. I definitely did. I was never as smooth as Topher Grace's in this movie, and I can assure you it did not work out. Of course, you know, everything worked out for me in the end. But well, here's my question for you. Well, first of all, of course I did. I think every male did. But here's my question. Was she supposed to be like the guy... Or the girl that every guy wanted, or just the one that think, he wanted? I think, I'm sure other guys wanted to date her. But from what we know, he was the one who was, like, pining over her. Yeah. So, because they played seven minutes in heaven, and she didn't embarrass him. Of course. Of course. I think everybody everybody had that. And I assume <laughs> that every female can even relate to that. With a, I've never played seven minutes in heaven, so. You haven't? No. Did you I ever, played spin the bottle once. Yeah, uh, suck and blow. Where never you played the card. Never played that. Really? I only saw that in whatever movie that was in. What movie is that in? What movies where they're playing suck and blow, and the guy purposely drops the card to make out with the girl? Up, oh, clueless. <laughs> I know it's in. Yeah. I think it's in an episode of the British Office. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So, if there's one thing that you may have learned about me by now. I was not the hippest dude in the world. Not a big seven minutes in heaven kind of guy? Yeah, not getting invited to the cool parties in seventh and eighth grade. I mean, I had a lot of friends in high school, but we all sat around in the basement playing drinking games. We weren't like... No massive orgies for you? Oh, no, no, yeah. Yeah. Not a big thing in in small town, Missouri. No, I don't, I don't think. And I, it's not like there were... Uh, portrayals portrayals of outlandish parties in this either no i mean that party was like a party you we would definitely have gone to in high school no oh, yeah you know like, a, da- a dance the, the one rager that the guy has every year and you know that nobody's getting get in trouble because the parents absolutely do not care there was significantly less cocaine at my hometown parties no i didn't even know that was a thing until i was in college yeah i've never seen something like that in my life I think I would have had the same reaction to cocaine that Fogler did, though. He just kind of went nuts. No, I definitely not. I know my reaction would have been the same as his when he goes. Uh, he does cocaine. He it, that's so great. It's that uh, I think it's been in a couple different movies, but you do a drug, and then you go, "Oh, this isn't working," so you do way too much. And then you, you keep doing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's why I was gonna say you are Barry. Oh, Which is his name. This is, yeah, Fogler. You're, you're definitely pretending to be talking to your boss on when you're closing a used car deal. 100%. It's a fucking pleasure. <laughs> I'll take it out of my I'll salary. I'll take it out of my check. <laughs> uh, I can see your boss right behind you, yeah. Barry. So, you know, that's just kind of the guy Barry is. And then from that point on, he owns the movie. Oh, he's a Once train he, He's like pounding wine at a family dinner. Oh, just, drinking his champagne in the back of the yeah, car. Stealing going, his boss's Just going after it. Getting coked out of his mind, drinking Bartles and James. Oh, that's yep. The, hol- the fake Bartles and James, which I have a list of who's the MVP of Chris Pratt's party, and the fake Bartles and James is on that list. So we're going to get to that question later. Is yeah. it multiple choice? Yeah. Okay. 
so here's here's the song that played during the opening credits, Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. So from that point on, I love Duran Duran. So I would love Duran Duran. I love Duran Duran. Didn't they do a James Bond song? They did. That's upsetting. It's not a good one. (laughs) Goldeneye is the only good one. In the movie, Topher Grace works at Suncoast Video. If you had to estimate how much money you wasted at Suncoast Video as a kid, where would it be at? Zero dollars. Oh, oh my God. I wasted so much of my parents' money there. I went to Best Buy and I went to Blockbuster, but I don't think there was a Sun- there was a Suncoast Video in probably one of the malls that was too far away for me to go to, but I wasted way too much of my money at Best Buy buying CDs and DVDs. Oh, my gosh. So I, I used to go to Suncoast. And I would have my mom have them special order the Godzilla movies on VHS. <laughs> and I also, this now this another tie back, I, as you know, I was a big Hulk Hogan mark. I had them order a bunch of Hulk Hogan movies. Not surprised at all. Uh, so Thunder in Paradise, No Holds Barred, and Suburban Commando. We get there. The No Holds Barred they ordered is a Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Special event, and my mom's like, "You can't have that." <laughs> Smart, yeah. Smart. So, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back on hops and box office flops. Brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am the Thunderous Wizard, along with Wolfgang McLeod. Nailed it. AKA Dan Fogler's decision making. <laughs> A.K.A. Dan Fogler's dance moves. Oh, man. The dance-off. We'll get to that in a second. So, Michael Bean is uh, Topher Grace's dad. Two related to Matt Sean Franklin Bean? is his name in the movie. Is he Sean Bean's brother? No. Their names are spelled uh, differently. And Sean Bean's also English and Michael Bean's American. I have to be a dick about it. He could have said no. Uh, so, he's like sort of a hardliner. And my question to you is, how quickly do you get your ass in gear when you realize that your dad, Johnny Ringo is just imploring you to get a job and to stop being a layabout. I, I think as soon as you find out your dad's Johnny Ringo, you do whatever he says. Yeah, pretty, pretty. Like, aren't you a little worried? Like, you're going to come home and he's going to be like, you and quickly. me, high noon. You, Wait, what? You get home and he's super drunk. He's just twirling his and he just says, service revolver He just around. says, do you play for blood? <laughs> blood for blood. He. Uh, this is a great cast. Come on, choice. Lunger. <laughs> Longer. It was a great casting choice. I mean, he's literally like a nut job in almost every movie he's in. I guess Hicks and and Reese are good guys, but he's the guy who loses his shit totally in the abyss. They have to like lock him in a room. Yeah. You know, Michael Bean's my dad, and he's like, hey, you're not working at Suncoast anymore. Time to be a big boy. I think think I'm going to go apply to some jobs. Yeah, when he fake arrests them. Oh, that's a great scene. It's such a great scene. I would legitimately shit my pants if I was. I don't want to ruin everything that takes place in that scene, but it it's very comical. I, there's a lot of just laugh out loud moments. You don't want to ruin it? No. Like I think like I don't want to ruin necessarily the end of because I, I really do want people to see this, and I think this movie deserves an audience. Okay. And unlike a lot of the movies we've done, that are sort of like more cult classics, like even though Mortal Kombat Annihilation is an absolute abomination. People have seen it, you know, or shouldn't. I respect. Yeah. I respect your take on this. Yeah, fair enough. Like you should definitely watch it. I can't recommend this enough. Yeah, agreed. I was excited to buy the movie. This was a great. Oh, I also bought it. It was like four dollars to rent or twenty to buy. Bought it in a heartbeat. So, 
lots of awesome eighties in this movie. What was your, what was your favorite eighties aspect of the film? Of the cocaine. The cocaine use is rampant in this movie. The cocaine, the you know what? Also the the clothing. Every did everybody just wear blazers like full suits in the eighties? Oh yeah. I would have been so oh, yeah, sweaty. It's the, it's the Miami Vice. If I was in my prime in the 80s, I would have been fucked because I would have been sweaty as shit. It is. I think the, they nailed the clothing. Obviously, they nailed the music. The montage of them prepping, and he puts all that moose in his all hair. All the moose in his hair. <laughs> I mean, to, the soundtrack, really, but the bootleg Bartles and James seals it for me. Pretty solid. The, the style was uh, super 80s. Pretty great. Oh, it's just incredible. All right. MVP of Kyle's party. All right, multiple choice. Give this is a me. big award. Chris Pratt is Kyle. Uh, he dates Anna Faris, uh, who is Matt Franklin's sister, Wendy Franklin. Twin sister. So she's the cool kid. Also very smart, though. Matt's kind of the loser. Well, not that smart. She didn't get into Cambridge. Yeah, she's a writer. All right, tuxedo shirt DJ. Solid. Good start. You know, that guy just spinning the friggin' hits. Cocaine Barry. Okay. Not coca- regular Barry. Barry when he's spiked up. When <laughs> Easy Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best lines. Acoustic Steve Perry. Should have been gone. <laughs> Should have been gone. Good the, call. The guy that assaults Acoustic Steve Perry. Uh-huh. Yep. Beanie. The bootleg Bartles and James. Yep. Or Tyler the Dance Machine Jones. 100%. I'm glad. Yeah, I was going to have to add a, an extra multiple choice there. Dude, that guy is awesome. Not only does, I believe he say, play that funky music, white boy, and yeah, boy, a bunch. Oh, yeah. But Cat's got moves. Oh, he's got serious moves. Yeah, he was. Uh, he actually could really dance. That was the thing, too. Was like I, I realized that break dancing in the I'm 80s. Sure he, I mean, he had to be in a bunch of other stuff. Basically, oh, he, He's got to be a real break dancer. But break dancing in the 80s was break dancing to 80s music, which yeah. struck me as. This is not great breakdancing music, but, you know, well, to each his own, I guess. Was... All right, so Tyler, the Dance Machine Jones, <laughs> is in fact in, well, he's in a movie called Lap Dance. Is that? So that sounds spicy. The Magic Mike prequel. Uh, but he's also Breakdance Academy. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, show, he was on a Step Up 2 to uh, the streets. Step Up 3D. So he's in a few dancing movies, he's but not legit. entirely all. She's the man with, what's that girl's name? Uh, the one that went crazy. Oh, Amanda Bynes, Coach Carter, as dancer, not the reindeer. I don't remember him. You got served. Oh, shocking. So yeah, he does. He moonlights in quite a few dancing movies. Tyler the Dance Machine Jones. He was the best part of that that party for sure. Uh, character from the party. Did you recognize? Harriet the Spy, Michelle Trachenberg. Who? Michelle Trachenberg, Harriet the Spy. Also, she's the sister in Eurotrip. Who was she in the she party? Was in, she was in uh, that Nickelodeon like kids variety show. Who's Harriet the Spy? You know, Harriet the Spy. What are you saying? Is that a movie? Yeah, it's a movie about a young girl who's a spy. Well, a detective. Really. I've never seen that movie. Oh, geez, I'm dating myself here. Correct. Like you did in high school, but she was on. She was on <laughs> Get all. It, dated yourself. Yeah, she was on all that. What? Remember that show, all that with like Keenan and Kel. Oh yeah, yeah. Amanda yeah. Bynes, who we just yeah, she's who, on that. Who was show. she in all that? Well, what her her actual person? Because it was like a variety show with. I don't know. I didn't. Who was she at the party? 
She was the girl with the nose ring who's hitting on Fogler. She's oh. got like the jet black hair. Oh, the chick he ends up making out with yes. at the end. Yeah, that's Michelle Trachtenberg. No, I didn't. I didn't know she was from anything but this. Yeah, no, yes. she's been around. She was sort of a thing, and she was a child star. She never really panned out, I guess. But I mean, if you've seen Harriet, the, you'd recognize her if you watched Nickelodeon in the mid '90s. First of all, hey dude, hey dude, uh, camp on Awana, sleep your shorts. Damn, salute. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> The second party, the Beverly Hills party, I tried to do some MVPs for that one, too. By the way, my MVP of the party, Acoustic Steve Perry. Dimitri Mar- no, I, Acoustic I think- Steve Perry was so great. He was wearing, like, a Serapi. It, no, it was a... A, a poncho. A, a poncho. <laughs> singing, singing. You're really good, I know. The... Uh, singing O'Sherry. You know who's the, the MVP of both parties is Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin, Dude, uh, he, what's his name in this? I remember, but he But he's fantastic it. in this movie. He's hilarious. He really is only in about, I don't know, eight minutes of the movie. Oh, and less. And he's, he's terrific in, in both scenes. But he steals both yeah. of them. He's hilarious. He's, he's just awesome. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Oh, do you have a multiple choice for MVP of the Beverly Hills party? No, because there's only one answer. Okay. And yep. it's Francis. Yeah, okay, yep. The German guy in the, the <laughs> leather jumpsuit that touches himself to his wife yeah so by party number two fogler's just out of control and angie everhart and he and propositions him because he has cocaine and she has a guy named francis who presumably is her lover and she's like he just likes to watch (laughs) it's the creepiest scene ever it's the greatest cross between super creepy and just absolutely that that scene will never not make me laugh dude as this german guy inches closer every every time and closer (laughs) he gets so close when when fogler just goes i'm going to try this i'm gonna try this Uh, it kills me every time so here's that guy's real name (laughs) Clement von Frankenstein. <laughs> so he was in Beer Fest? <laughs> he also appeared in Lionheart as English investor. Oh, yes! Yes! 100%. He's the guy at the end that gets her arrested. Yeah. Oh, my God. He gained so much weight. Clement von Frankenstein. Dude, he he's the guy. Oh, my God. My life is complete. Yeah. So everything comes full circle. Everything comes back to Lionheart in the end. Holy shit. Uh, So we'll just leave you this, because I don't want to ruin the movie. Wait, Clement von Frankenstein? Clement von Frankenstein. That's my name for the next podcast. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. At one point, Matt Franklin looks at Kyle and his two ass clown buddies. They all have their collars popped. They're all wearing pastels. And he says, they're going to run the world. Has there ever been a more prophetic line? Yep. It's... uh... Uh, they didn't even know how prophetic they were no, at the time. No idea. This movie actually is like sort of a ahead of the curve in a lot of a lot of like these things it's calling. It's pretty funny. I th- I thought he did an awesome job with it. Uh, now when we come back, am I full of shit or not? I found a lot of good facts about this. I'll do a couple of Eddie Money things. Oh God. I'll do a couple of just strictly Tilford Grace, and then a few about the movie. Fun fact: uh, the Thunderous Wizard and I went to college with a kid who was rumored to be Eddie Money's illegitimate child. Illegitimate son. His, his mom got drunk one night and told him, Eddie Money's your father. Yep. <laughs> you know how I picked her up? She just said, take me home tonight. 
<sighs> so yeah, that's a true story. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back on hops and box office flops. She <laughs> just watched that. We're watching cops in the cops background. Cops is on in the background of this cop just straight up speared this speared guy. Speared this guy. And this is Am I Full of Shit or Not? All right, so I go around the internet. I'm excited for this. I uh, check out if I can find some obscure facts about films. Some films, there's more than others. Uh, I found some decent stuff for this. What do we have, like a handful here? I yeah. feel like I'm going to bat a thousand on this. Yeah. So. Principal photography for this movie was actually completed in 2007, but Universal Studios shelved the film until its 2011 theatrical release. True or false? False? True. What? Topher Grace posted that the release of the film was delayed when the studio did not know how to handle and promote a youth comedy film with portrayals of cocaine use as the drug was prominent in the 1980s. So Topher said... It tested really well. It's an audience film. It's not a drama, but there was a real hesitation because there's so much cocaine in it. And our feeling at the time was, yeah, was you can't do a movie about prohibition without alcohol. And you really can't do a movie about partying in the 80s at the age these kids are without showing cocaine use. The, the kids are in their mid-20s, yeah. early 20s. So I don't know why they got so squeamish about it. but So this was for four years? And it's an R-rated comedy. It's like, who the hell cares? It was done... For four years. And it years, just sat on a shelf. just sat on a shelf. Yep. That sucks. So, and it might have never come out. Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, so if you're familiar with Ron Howard, very famous director. Brian Grazer's his producing partner on most of his films. Imagine Entertainment. Of Imagine Entertainment. Came to the rescue as this movie toiled on the shelf. And only because of their involvement did it get a release. True. True. That's awesome. Uh, according to Topher Grace... They encouraged them to put stuff back in the movie even. Like, no, you can't cut this stuff. This is part of the film. That, like, That just shows you that this movie's legit if it gets a co-sign from Ron Howard and Grayson. Yeah. So Topher Grace said, We had fun producing, but those guys are the real deal. We learned a lot from them, and they're probably the greatest producers of our time. They encouraged us to not change the cut, which I thought was a really cool move. Nice. So that's a that's like... One of this, like a cool story about Hollywood. Generally, we like talk about these movies where these idiots meddle with it and they just destroy it. You know, these guys wanted them to release their vision for the film, and I think that's cool. I could see this movie if it was made like in the last three or four years, being something that Netflix would buy in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, for just sure. Like, you can have creative control. We'll let you do it. And we'll do 90 minutes of this hilarious 80s comedy. There's always a lot of talk now, like how movies like this, like the sort of low budget to mid budget movies are dying. But I think that's what's so great about Netflix is Netflix is a home for these types of movies. Like even Triple Frontier, which we talked about, right? It's probably a 50, 60 million dollar movie. Probably wouldn't have made its budget back. And they were all about getting that thing made. Yeah, and I'm I mean, glad they did because I'm glad I watched it. It wasn't great, but no, it's good enough. There's enough of a hole in that movie that you see why it probably wouldn't do great yeah. in theaters. But but it's like you know I don't get to go to the movie theaters that often, so I love when big time movies are released on a streaming platform. Yeah, this would have been perfect for a streaming platform. Uh, the name of this film, of course, is in fact the name of an Eddie Money song. That song is featured prominently in the movie. True. False. It never appears in the film. <laughs> it does, however, play in the film's theatrical trailer and on the DVD menu. Got it. That's probably what screwed me uh, up. 
I think that's mainly because the alternate titles for the film were Young Americans and Kids in America. So I think they added that later and probably couldn't secure rights to the music. I mean, they got so many songs, the rights to so many songs. Like, I find it hard to believe they wouldn't be able to get Eddie Money's go-ahead to use that song. But That's funny. They pro- They couldn't get the rights to the song, but they could get the rights to name the movie after the song. Yeah. In the film, Matt works at Suncoast Video. True. During high school, Topher Grace did in fact work at Suncoast Video. False. True. Damn it. You're not batting a thousand. I'm doing terrible. Didn't you have a terrible height? Didn't you work at like PetSmart or something? I worked at PetSmart. I worked at Wendy's so I could buy my Dreamcast. I worked at Wendy's (laughs) for three days. I was the fry guy. Yeah, buddy. I once uh, sat in the back with a a guy and we made like 60 chicken nuggets. (laughs) And instead of cleaning the store, we just sat there eating chicken nuggets. Your life was pretty much like uh, what's his name in Waiting. Yeah, and Andy Milanakis from Waiting. Yeah. So well, <laughs> were those your two worst high school jobs? Those Wendy's was terrible. Uh, Petco, I worked at for quite a while, and, that, and then pretty much I was doing like internships and stuff. So those were my my main high school jobs. Petco seems like it'd be a terrible job. Petco was fun because literally all my friends worked there with me, yeah. and we just goof around throwing dog food bags at each other and like chasing each other around the store and throwing bags of dog food. Oh yeah, like f- dropping twenty pound bags of dog food on people. <laughs> Nice. I probably should have guessed that too for Grace one since he did write the damn movie. Yeah. So Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris, now divorced, Anna. Anna Ferris, met during the filming of this movie and got married a year later. True. True. See, I told you it'd come back. Nailed it. Topher Grace's character, Matt Franklin, was a graduate of Shermer High School, the same name as the high school he went to. False? False. Yes. Though it is the same name as the schools in the 1980s classic movies Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and National Lampoon's Vacation. Breakfast Club was Shermer High School? Yep. Huh. Oh, is that Chris Columbus? Did he do all those? Uh, no, John no. Hughes did John most Hughes, of them. John Hughes. Um, but not all. Shermer. Uh, there was an extra... That was in the movie in the party scenes who had Tourette syndrome and he would frequently shout cut while filming scenes. Topher Grace said it happened at least five times. I want that to be true so bad. What do you think? True or false? True. True. Because you're too politically correct to make up something like that. Yeah. And there's, (laughs) there's, okay. It's just like the perfect word. Like that's the one word he would yell. Cut. That's amazing. Wait. So... Do people with Tourette's often yell just like a word you teach them? Well, generally, I mean... A prominent word? Tourette's is just like an emotional disorder, so they're high-functioning. They they know a whole bunch of different words, but they do probably fixate on certain phrases. He probably terms. heard them yell it to stop a scene and just couldn't get it out of his mind. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so this is a Topher Grace-specific one. Saying he needed to relax after the strain of playing David Duke in Spike Lee's Black Klansman, Topher Grace recut the Hobbit trilogy down to one two-hour movie. That's true. It is true. He, I think he's done that for a few things. Yeah. So he said, I think that maybe The Hobbit should have been one movie, and many people would agree. Money drives a lot of those franchises. It's better when the art leads. He also recut the Star Wars prequels down to one 85-minute film. <laughs> As it should be. Now, this is Eddie Money-centric, true or false? The song Take Me Home Tonight was initially a flop. False. 
False. Spent over 20 weeks in the Billboard Top 100, peaking at number four. Correct. The song was nominated for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance at the 29th Annual Grammy Awards on February 24th, 1987, but lost to Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. Nice. My true. True. Might as well face it. Uh, Addicted to Love is an awful song. Take I, Me Home Tonight should have won. The Weird Al version, Addicted to Spuds, is much better. Also, another song with a movie based upon its name. Addicted to Love? Yeah, you ever seen the Meg Ryan, Matthew Broderick, Addicted to Love? It's not a good movie. I have not. Kelly Preston God. is... Ooh. So they both are like, they both get dumped... And then in trying to get revenge on their exes, they fall in love. How many movies are simply just the title of an 80s song? Oh, I'm sure more. I mean, if there's not a Hungry Like the Wolf movie, there should be. Oh. Should be. Rio? Africa? There you go. (laughs) Is there a movie called Africa? It has to be, right? Uh, Out of Africa is a movie. Is that an earnest movie? No, that's a, like an actual good movie. Ernest Goes to Africa is not the name of any 80s songs, but... Oh, you know what movie we should do? Um, the Air Up There with Kevin Bacon. God. That movie was good. Jimmy Dolan's Shake and Bake. You got it. Uh, so that is Am I Full of Shit or Not? Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I have a scale. Where does Chris Pratt's Kyle Masterson rank on the most obnoxious high school or college asshole scale? Real quick before we do head to the break, I did want to note that we paired tonight's episode with the Dude's Most Excellent IPA, uh, which is an ode to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, another 80s classic, and since the 80s were most excellent in general, I thought it was perfect, I will post that to our Twitter, at Hops and B.O. Flops. All right, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We want to know where Kyle Masterson ranks on the most obnoxious high school or college asshole scale. Now, I think he's going to rank fairly low. He's I'm just going to say that off the top. Because yeah. he's really, he's like a well-intentioned jerk. He's just sort of selfish and... He's just a corny guy. He's he's not at he's all self-aware. Corny. Yeah. So, number one. And this movie we might end up doing pretty soon. I think this was the coming of age movie month. Soul Man? No. Oh. Dean Sampson, it, Paul Walker, and She's All That. I mean, Dean was essentially just trying to prove how big of a narcissist Freddie Prinze's Zack Siler was. We'll just skip the ending where he gets super creepy. Kind of. Okay, yeah. He's, like, he's on know, the scale. He's a douchebag. I got it. His whole, he's portrayed his as... whole thing is like, every, you think, everybody thinks you're so cool. Well, you're not. And I'm going to prove it by this weird bet. By the way, I think She's All That is a terrible movie. Oh, so I have I have a lot of things. I think we should do She's All That and Can't Hardly Wait. Yes. Because I really have a question on, if you were going to have a high school party, who would you want to play the music there? Because I'm taking Love Burger 100%. Hold on. Hold Obviously, on. Usher as the DJ at the prom and She's All That is an option, but I'm not selecting him. I have to pick Love Burger. a DJ... To play music at a party? And no, like a... it could be a band. It could be, you know. So, yeah. for example, like you could have Matt Damon's band from Eurotrip. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. You know, so that'd be a scale. I'd be like, who who's playing your oh, mega party? easy. The blue thing from The Fifth Element. The opera singer. Okay. Obviously, you've got uh, Tuxedo Shirt DJ. Um, Guy was bringing it. 
uh, John Candy from Home Alone, the polka band. Poka, poka, poka. Poka, poka. Maybe you've heard of us. Maybe. Number two, Mike Dexter, Peter Fascinelli, and Can't Hardly Wait. I think Dexter's misunderstood. Uh, he just wants to spread his wings, you know. Wait, wait, who? Mike Dexter. You know, he dumps his girlfriend. He wants to just be his own guy. Oh, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> Not until talking with the legendary Trip McNeely does he realize the error of his ways. Trip McNeely, right? Trip McNeely, man. He's not a five. No, Trip McNeely's the awesome. coolest dude ever. <laughs> also, probably the, one of my favorite cameos by a guy who was, I guess, famous at the time. I mean, he was Kush. O'Connell? Yeah. I love Trip McNeely. So that you're, scene, you're not that scene putting, is perfect. You're not putting McNeely on this list? Oh, no. Oh, my dude, God. Dude, Trip McNeely's the dude. <sighs> College chicks, bro. <laughs> All right, fair enough. He gives them sage advice. Don't dump your high school girlfriend because we're actually losers and it's not going to work out. But he was the douchebag. Wear just, shower shoes. He's a college guy going back to a high school party. Yeah, wear shower shoes. God, I've got warts that's good all over advice. my feet. Okay, so I can't wait to see who you think is douchier than McNeely. Number three, Johnny Lawrence, Billy Zabka and the Karate Kid. He's a three because this is where the scale gets a little ambiguous because is Johnny Lawrence the bad guy? <laughs> Not if you watch Cobra Kai. No, his sensei is. Yeah. Johnny Lawrence is he's just... A guy he's, a, he's a victim of severe physical and mental he just, abuse. Correct. He just has pent-up rage and he's yeah, he's just a victim of circumstance. Just remember, who, who pranked who at the Halloween dance? If you're going to dump water on a guy while he's rolling a joint in the bathroom, maybe you deserve to get beat up. That's a pretty hot take. Daniel son. You're saying Machio deserved everything he got? Machio's kind of a dick in that movie. All right. I recently I went to like an independent theater to watch that a couple years back. That's not great. And first of all, Billy Zabka's like one of the great 1980s assholes. Back to school. Uh just one of the guys, the karate kid. Back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. He's the guy who picks on his son on the Can dive you do a team. triple indie? Cuz I can. Oh. Uh, I <laughs> If you've never seen Back to School, just watch the Triple Lindy. If you've never seen Back to School, his driver in that movie is Paulie Burt from, Young from the Rocky franchise, who I believe is a tiny man in real life. Oh, he can't be that. I mean, he's smaller in Dangerfield. He crushes a. Uh, but he's like the ass kicker. Dispenser. Yeah. yeah, it was a terrible casting choice. Oh, dude, Paulie brings it. Get out of here. I bet you, Paul, Paulie's like the Tank Abbott of. Drunken movie stars. He just sleeps on people in his backyard now? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Clark, Emilio Estevez in Breakfast Club. Now, this people might be like, hey, Come on. everybody's nice in that movie. That guy duct taped a dude's ass cheeks together. Andrew Clark is not a good guy. They all not a good did guy. stupid shit to get there. And lastly, I think this one is the most fitting. Number five, Biff Tannen, Thomas F. Wilson mm. in Back to the Future. Uh, the Tannins are essentially the O'Doyles of their day. Uh, Biff especially relishes in making poor McFly's life a living hell. Uh, and then a stroke of luck in gambling futures turns him into Donald Trump, and that's just about as bad as it gets. I knew this was going to have something to do with Trump. What about the- By the way, that was intentional. I- they did an interview in the Rolling Stone. like They wanted him to be Donald Trump. <laughs> That was before he became president, but I'm surprised you haven't. I'm surprised you didn't explore one or both of the Teen Wolf movies in this. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy that crushes the golf ball, he's a pretty big bully. The boxer? Yeah. From Teen Wolf 2? From Teen Wolf 2. Crushes the golf ball. That guy's a huge douchebag. There's so many, like, high school douchebags that you could have, that I could have chosen from. Even Ferris Bueller, right? Ferris Bueller's the good guy. He's a douchebag. How about, um, He makes Principal Rooney's life a living hell. Rooney? American Pie. Rooney, you son of a bitch! How about Stifler? I know Stifler. he's hilarious, but he's a huge douchebag. He has, like, he has the, uh, what could have been... Jamie Lannister's arc, but then they turned it, turned back the clock. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> Stifler becomes the good guy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, what do you think? Where does he rank? Pretty low. Uh, see, here's the thing: I don't, I don't agree with your scale. To not even have Trip McNeely on dude, there, dude. You can't, dude. No, I'm not putting Trip on there. I'll put him. I'll put him right next to Paul Walker. Then he's like the Dean, one. I'd say Dean Sampson. Yeah. Dean Sampson is actually a worse guy, uh, because he gets really creepy at the end. Like, it's not good. It's not a good look. The the turn Sampson takes at the end is not good. But, you know, in this movie, uh, Kyle Masterson, he's just a guy who only cares about his idiotic little existence. Doesn't care about his girlfriend's feelings at all. You know, like, everything revolves around, like, them getting this condo and doing the exact same shit they're doing. And she has bigger dreams and he just doesn't care. Like, that's his character. Fair enough. Yeah. So, all right, when we come back, uh, do we have recommendations? I do. I got one. All right, so we'll do that. We'll do some recommendations. We'll do some six degrees. We'll just take a quick break. And then uh, should we close with some Thrones talk? I would love to discuss thrones with you so we'll be right back after this break okay we're back on hops and box office flops presented by revengeofthefans.com we're gonna do a six degrees while i do that uh wolfgang mcleod will give you his recommendation for the week my six degrees based off of our scale talk we just had we'll do a trip mcneely okay O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell to um, Teen Wolf 2 star Jason Bateman. While you're okay, are you ready? Because this one's going to be quick. What? So, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell to Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Tom Cruise to Jamie Foxx, Collateral. Jamie Foxx to Jason Bateman in The Kingdom. The Kingdom's such an underrated movie. And we talked about that movie on this pod, which I probably wouldn't have remembered had we not. That was so. a good one. Yeah. All right. Trip McNeely. God. Re- recommendations. Uh, I just watched a show on Netflix called Dead to Me. Oh, I've heard that's really good. Christina Applegate. And, uh, Linda um, Carlini. Yeah, the chick from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Hawkeye's wife. <clears throat> uh, strongly recommend that quick I think it was like 10 episodes it's like a 30 minute yeah they're, they're like show, 30 right? to yeah. 40 minutes tops I think it got dynamite reviews it was great so th- most of the episodes if not all have amazing cliffhangers and you keep wanting to come back for more so that's okay. my recommendation cool alright so um, haven't been watching a particularly large amount of stuff I will Here's my do not watch the Predator. Oh, I started that on HBO. Couldn't oh even my get goodness! It. I, I'm I'm like so upset. Bad. I'm upset about how bad I found Who wrote it to that? be. Shane Black wrote See, it. See, that kills but me. But from what I understand, and maybe this will be on the pod one day because the studio just wrecked his cut of the movie. 
large chunks of it had to be reshot. They just totally meddled with it. So who knows what movie it would have been. But it was just not good. It's bad. It was really bad. Corny. Yeah. It's like it's same, almost the same exact lines and music from the original Predator. And none of it fits. No, not, there's, everything's just so forced. It reeked of like almost desperation to be... Like a throw, like oh, remember how awesome the predator was? Like here's that music. Yeah, none of it fit. There was no. I thought it was gonna be like a fresh take on it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I did not like it at all. Uh, Predators is a much better movie, and I think feels much more like a predator movie. The one with Adrian Brody. I I don't even. I mean, it's okay. It's not great, but it has some awesome scenes, and it feels like a predator movie. Fresh take on it too. Yeah, like it was different. They get dropped on the island to be hunted. Yeah. Uh, my main recommendation is Mortal Kombat 11. I've been in serious training because uh, I'm going uh, to play in a Mortal Kombat 11 tournament uh, this weekend. You You'll hear this before that nerd. happens. And I won the last one. I won the MK10, MKX what? tournament. What? Did and you make any money? Yeah, I made like 200 bucks. But I really just go to hang out with my buddies. Um, so I've been, I've been training. Mortal Kombat 11 is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's great. The story mode's great. Uh, fatalities are as brutal as they've ever been. I mean, I haven't seen a bad fatality yet, really. Well, Kano's got one that's kind of stupid, but does it have babalities? No, they do have mercy, which, but I, I, I haven't seen anything besides the fatalities and then brutalities. Is uh Friday or is Jason Voorhees an unlockable character? No, I don't think so. Not in this one. He uh, won't be back. From fine. what I know so far, Shang Soon, who. In this one is actually they use Kerry Tagawa's likeness. Your soul is mine. So that's kind of awesome. Uh, he he'll be available. You actually play against Cyrax and Sector in the story, and they have a full move set. So I can only assume that they'll be downloadable at some point. And then uh, Shao Kahn is available now. His fatality man, the fatalities are freaking gross. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. So Throne Stock. So oh. if, you, if you haven't seen Thrones yet, I'm sure you have. Because honestly, I review it every week. And I live on West Coast. I'm behind three hours. You can't even get on the internet within an hour of that show being... Within five minutes of that show being finished on the East Coast. Because everything will be ruined. Correct. So, so like, fair warning. Spoilers. You know, for like, Game yeah, Thrones. I'm going to spoil Even in the review for this week... I, you had to spoil it because you can't talk about this episode without spoiling it. Correct. So, all right. So what'd you think? Man, you know, what's weird is after digesting it, cause in the moment I was fairly disappointed. I think yeah. just like uh-huh. you were that, Oh, I mean, great. She became the mad queen. Yeah. When you, when you for write, no reason, really. when you write a show in such a predictable fashion, like they've been rushing this season really hardcore. Like, Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. She might be crazy. She might be crazy. And it's like, to me, they they were pushing the agenda so hard that they were going to be wrong. Like, she was going to buck that destiny of the Targaryen bloodline. She wasn't going to be the monster that her father was. And then they just went all in for pretty much no reason. The battle was over. She won. But Devil's Advocate isn't... Because the whole, everybody's upset because they're like, oh, you know, every season they're so subversive. Isn't it subverting expectations to kind of just make it all 
I think as expected at this point. So I wrote this in my review, which will be up by the time this airs. But if you think about other character arcs now, I know like there were signs throughout the show, but as recently as season six, she's sitting down with Tyrion talking about how we're not going to be our fathers. We're going to make the world a better place. You know, she's still actively working for the greater good. The people she executes are largely terrible people, slave traders, um, you know, oppose, uh, you know, the heads of opposing forces. Like, that's pretty common stuff in this show to execute somebody who's a deserter or a traitor or any of that. You know, like, she goes from... The breaker of chains. The breaker of chains. To the, the mother of, dragons, of children. Yeah, the freer of bonds. Quick. To, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to light this entire city on fire. Yeah. Women, children, the innocent. It just didn't make any sense to me for the character. I I would have gotten it if they would have like really built to it. Like Stannis Baratheon is the comparison I make, right? Stannis shows up in season two. He gradually unravels up until the point where he's just dusted by Ramsay Bolton in that battle. Like he's got nothing left. He's so mentally frayed. He's just killed his friggin' daughter to sacrifice her to the God of light the Lord of light, like he's done. That was a, a build. You watch this guy fall apart piece by piece by piece. She wasn't really there. She had moments where she looked weak and she'd come back. And then what pisses me off the most is you, you listen to DB Weiss and David Benioff and like, she's a strong character and da da da. It's like, no, you you just wrote her as a weak character. Strong characters do not slaughter people who are innocent by the thousands. Weak people do straw men do. So don't like don't tell me she's a strong character when she does that. You just like those guys every episode they just come across as being idiots. Speaking of making a character weak unexpectedly, Cersei and Jamie's demise mm-hmm. really disappointed me. I I was very disappointed. I don't think, you know, like the prophecy stated, I guess they sort of left it out of the show, but the prophecy was that her younger brother would be the end of her. And theoretically that happened, but she deserved worse. And to have her be like, oh, I, you know, I, I want our child to live. And it's like, oh, the heart weeps for Cersei Lannister, who's done nothing but murder innocent people for eight years. Yeah, it was weird how they kind of filmed the death of those two so, um, like, sympathetically. Like, very, like, oh. Like, they wanted you they're, to, they're together again to at have last. sympathy for them. But it was like, these two suck. Recently, they suck. Yeah. Jamie just... She's been terrible. She's been the worst character aside from Joffrey and... Uh, Ramsey Bolton consistently throughout the Jamie entire show. Jamie just took Brienne's V card and then bolted the same night. Yep. What a dick. So Captain Cash on our uh, recap pod had speculated that he was thinking that he was just like, hey, get away, you know, like telling her one thing, but he was really going to finish Cersei off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe you're right. And it would have been so much better if that was true, but it was not. Yeah. At least we did get um, Clegane Bowl. Oh my gosh. And it everything met every expectation. <laughs> I was like I was literally like, Don't no don't don't pop his eyeballs out. I Come thought, on, Sander. See, I thought what he was gonna do was blind him and then there's gonna be a bunch of fire, but because he couldn't see it, yeah, he would be okay and still be able to kill him. But yeah, I uh when I loved that scene. When he stabbed him in the face and he just like backed away two feet and slowly took the knife out of his head, I'm like, yes. Although they did make the mountain without his helmet kind of look like Varys, which was he weird. Ki- he kind of looked like Humphrey Bangett. <laughs> if Bane had sex with Varys, that's, yeah. what, that's what their kid would look uh, like. So, you know, I gave the episode a B-. It's not that the show 
is a bad show. It's just a wildly inconsistent one at this point, and I'm ready for it to be oh, over. Oh, here's a question for you. So I also thought it was kind of weird that, because I know Ari and the Hound have a special relationship, yeah. but since when does she listen to him? He's just like, don't go up there, girl. You don't want to turn out to be like me. She's never listened to him before, but then all of a sudden she did. Yeah. Like, Well, I did like that moment. I didn't say I didn't like the moment, but yeah. why now? It, she seemed, finally it seemed a little off character, but again, she's got to kill Danny now. So, nah, John kills Danny. I here's now. I'll. I have a wild speculation. I'm listening. So, if you're familiar with Game of Thrones lore, right, you understand that Brandon Stark, brother of Ed, Ned Stark, and Rickard Stark, father of Ned Stark, rode to King's Landing to get uh, Lyanna back from Rhaegar, and they wanted Rhaegar to be basically killed for for what he had done kidnapping liana really though i obviously we didn't know at the time they were in love and they had the kid and whatever and so uh the mad king immediately charges them both with treason and basically puts a noose around brandon stark's neck rickard stark asks for a trial by combat he says okay well the champion of house targaryen is fire lights the dude on fire Brandon Stark, in trying to claw and get to his father as he burns alive, chokes himself to death. Jesus. So that's the history of the Starks and the Targaryens, right? So, like, when they had that moment early in the season, right, they're right to be distrusting of of Danny, But at the same time, like, when she saves the whole, the North, you know, like, you thought some of that would have eased up and whatever. But that's besides the point. Like, I feel like... Jon Snow will choose a trial by combat because Jon Snow's a man of honor. And she'll say, fires the champion of House Targaryen. And Sansa will watch as Jon Snow <laughs> slowly burns to death. Wait, why, does, why is Jon Snow going to be on trial for anything? Because he's a, he committed treason. What treason did he commit? He, he let out the secret she asked him not to. He committed treason. That's she Remember, she said in the episode, like, Tyrion walks in there and she said... Somebody betrayed me. It was John. And he goes, Varys. And she said, well, John betrayed but that's me not, too. But it's not treason. All he did was speak his truth. At this point, that's though, a, like... I'll tell you what. I There will be a trial, and I bet it's um, Tyrion. Oh, Because he let Jamie out. He's dead. So she's going to cook him, probably. I think the only way this really ends sort of favorably is uh, Iris sneaks in, you know, with the faceless man... Stabs her in the back. She's the king. See, here's the thing. Your speculation will not be what happens because you've actually read the books. Yeah, but the, we're not at this point. The the, the uh, showrunners apparently haven't, <laughs> based on what they've done this season. So my speculation that somehow John will get the dragon to cook Danny because he's a Targaryen is what I think is going to happen. And again, I haven't read the books. I'm not familiar with the lore. Makes me closer to the showrunners at this point than you, so I think I'm going to be closer. I think you know. Any, any really, anything he has to happen. kill. He has to kill Danny. All of my right? wild speculation has been wrong. Uh, almost everything that's happened has disappointed me in some small way. Just the ease of the Night King's demise to characters behaving in ways that they would never behave. Like Lord Varys, smartest guy in the show, 
And he's just like, hey, John, ready to commit some treason? It's like, dude, slow play it. And Tyrion, too. Tyrion's been making some real bad decisions. You survived through all these kings and queens only to overplay your hand immediately? And all he did, oh, all like, he could do was send out ravens. Like yeah. that was the last thing he did. He's just sitting in, sitting in a room, chilling, writing letters. I wonder if all those those ravens that he sent out will like make the other uh, the other people in the north come to John's aid to defeat. Yeah, I think. I mean, Danny. that's a distinct possibility. I would love for it to end in the way that Brandon and Rickard Stark died, just be, because I feel like then the message is like, well, history will always repeat itself. But the show, you know, because essentially that's what. But they never they, showed that. Did they even talk about that in the show? Briefly, like season one, maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I've. Like that would that would be awesome if that's how the books ended, but that can't be how the show. I ends. think the coolest part of the Blu-rays, because I used to be really into the show and I bought them all on Blu-ray up until a certain point, and I did start to grow disenchanted with it a little bit after a while, mainly after they took over. Basically, it was them like, oh, we know where we're going now, and. They did a really, they did just a poor job after a while. Um, a poorer job. It was still a good show. Uh, and the Blu rays have like extras, and it's always like little bits of history. And they'll talk about like the Mad King, Aegon Targaryen, or oh. the trial of Rickard Stark. And That's it, it cool. has like little animations, and it's voiced over by an actor from the show. And they're just awesome. Yeah. So you learn about the Field of Fire or the Clegane, the history behind the Cleganes or stuff like that. It's really cool. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't think the show's bad at all. I just think that, um, I don't know, some of the stuff that's happened over the last three episodes. You, you, you know what? I'll say this. The writers have a really tough job, not just because they're finishing someone else's work, but I think the tough task is every single fan theory out there, they have to subvert or they have to... They just can't do the fan theories. And there's, yeah, there's always then it's going like they're to stealing be, from the fans. There's always going to be someone like, this isn't how I thought it was going to be in my head. And now I'm mad. Just think if you were the writer over like the last year and a half or two years, you write something and then you see the number one fan theory is what you just wrote. You're like, well, damn it. I can't do that now. Yeah, because it's all over the internet. Yeah, so they probably uh-huh. just had to go, all right. Let's just make it look really good and simplify it as much as possible. Now, here's what I thought, thought was really interesting. Uh, this The scripts for this show leaked, apparently. Now, I don't go looking for stuff like that, but they leaked. And all of a sudden... So the outcome is out there? All of a sudden, the odds in Vegas shifted dramatically. So now, if you really want to hear this, stop listening. Wait, hold on. I don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear it? Because no. there's a certain character who's literally one-to-one. To Honest. die or to become to, the to, king? To be the king. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. Nope. Don't ruin it for me. Yeah. I will say this, though. Gambling on Game of Thrones, Vegas is really stupid for doing that. Yep. Because there are so many people in the know that filmed it that could make decent money. I'm sure that they won't let you bet more than like 100 bucks. But I will say this. Thunder and I knew someone in college that gambled... Danny, remember him? On a reality show. He bet on, what was it? was the reality it was on the boxing contender. show. The Contender, hosted by he, Arnold he, he, or he, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard. He bet on the finale of The Contender. It was a fake boxing show where they put in sound effects. Literally, they, gambled they on cut the outcome. and edited the fights. And he gambled on the outcome He of the gambled show. on the outcome. That was the craziest gambling I've ever seen. This makes me think of that because 
I mean, if the script's leaked, just go make some money, right? I think the th- this is astounding to me. Well, Gambling actually, on fiction do you think in they general is astounding like, to me. They could have leaked fake scripts or maybe filmed a bunch of different endings. That way no one knows what happened. I think the smartest thing to do would be film. Uh, and I've heard of films doing that, like big-time films. They One, you don't release the whole script. You know, you only give people, everybody gets pieces. You only give their people their pieces. Um, it's like working at Area Fifty One. But it, you know, why wouldn't you film multiple endings? Because how many times you go on the internet and someone's taking pictures of from a set, or oh look, somebody snuck onto the set of, I mean, Suicide Squad. There's tons of pictures from the filming of that movie. Um, it happens all the time. So why not film multiple endings? And then nobody knows which ending you're going to I'm so use. upset that you know how it's going to end. I don't think Don't this, tell me. I don't think this is true. So. All right. I, I mean, you can read into the odds. Nope. But at the same time, Vegas Vegas is full of shit, too. Like, they'll they'll put odds in a way that'll get money. They'll get the juice going. Oh, they just get, and they, yeah. Yeah. And they, they know it's the not going to work out that way. Uh, Vegas leaked the script but again I think it's just idiotic for people to gamble on fiction and people gamble on pro wrestling all the time Is can you at least bet that the throne gets melted and no one sits on it is that something you could bet on in Vegas I think that is something you can bet on it should be yeah I mean honestly I mean I don't think the show's gonna have a happy ending so we should do um, I don't think it was ever meant to anyways but have your have the people that go to your website or hit you up on twitter Pick a TV show for us to do, like a bad t- uh, a TV show that was a flop. Yeah. I'd like to do that. We could just kind of go like three episodes at a time or something. That could be a thing, yeah. We could do a TV show theme. So next week, what we'll do, we'll do She's All That. Then we'll do Can't Hardly Wait. Then we're going to do Congo, because you got to watch Congo. I think She's All That's really bad. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not good. Uh, so, again... Uh, I'm the Thunder's Wizard. You can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. Uh, you can find Hops and Box Office Flops on Twitter at Hops and B.O. Flops. Uh, please leave us some reviews on whichever platform you listen. We did get some new ones in, so I'll read those next week. Uh, and that's the show. Hey, one episode left to Game of Thrones. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, Captain Cash and I are going to get together midweek to record our thoughts on this one. And uh, I think, you know, I think he's been a little bit higher on the last couple than I've been. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks. Uh, But only one episode left. The show was a cultural phenomenon. It's going to be weird when it's gone. Oh, I just put that together. Is that what cult classic is short for? Cultural classic? A cult classic is something that wasn't popular in the moment. I know the general term, but is cult short for cultural? Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. Also, drop writer TLK some lines on Twitter for what terrible TV shows you've watched. That you just love really anyways, regardless of how bad they are. Like Mortal Kombat Conquest. We should just revisit all of the Married with Children's. I don't... Yeah, that would take us seven years. That's fair. Actually, longer. The show was on for, what, a decade? It's probably... Yeah, yeah. I used to fall asleep to that as a kid. It was on Fox at, like, midnight. Isn't isn't he the same character in Modern Family? Pretty much. <laughs> no. Pretty much. No, Jay's wildly more successful than Al. Jay. All right, so that's it. We'll see you next week on Hops and Box Office Flops. <laughs>